This is Barely Legal. Hi there, I'm Eva Even. And I am Ari Sedana. Welcome to today's episode of Barely Legal. Um, today we're talking about <clears throat> a series of cases that led up to the historic landmark case that is Obergefell v. Hodges, which if you don't know, it is the case, Supreme Court case, that legalized same-sex marriage in all 50 states. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we thought that this episode would be fitting for right now. It's going to be a three-part series, by the way. So this first episode are some cases that led up to Obergefell, some history that's important to know. Mm-hmm. And then we'll be talking about Obergefell, which was decided in 2015 in our um, next episode. Next episode of the series. We also might not do this in exact order, so mm-hmm. just bear that in mind. Yeah, especially because we want to include creative the decision for creative LLC in a third part, which would be like post Obergefell, what has happened to LGBTQ plus rights and mm-hmm. you know what's on the docket right now as it concerns, for example, trans rights and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the idea for this series. And we thought this first episode publishing it right now would be fitting because Valentine's Day is right around the corner mm-hmm. tomorrow, in fact. And love is in the air. Yeah. So, so oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Okay, I was just going to say, I feel like there's a lot of layers to marriage in general, of course, and the LGBTQ plus community. There's, especially in the ones that we're going to discuss, there's mm-hmm. freedom of speech, there's parameters of marriage itself. There's like um, sexual conduct. There's so much to this, but marriage is the one I keep coming back to because I feel like fundamentally marriage is something that we've made up. It's a social construct. Yeah, absolutely. And the Supreme Court gets to explore what duties it has to dictate the bounds of those marriages, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's really interesting because it's something that we come back to in each of our episodes is the Supreme Court has lot more power than I think any of us can imagine. They have the power to determine our fundamental rights, to tell us who we can and can't marry. And I think, you know, that is something to definitely think about is how much power the court has when it comes to our fundamental rights and whether or not the court should have, you know, that that much power. Absolutely. So the first case we'd like to start with is one that occurred in, or was decided in 1957. It's called One Inc. v. Olison. Yeah, so One Inc. basically published a pro-gay magazine beginning in 1953, and they were sued by a postmaster, so someone who owns like a local post postal service, um, Postmaster Olson, who sued them for obscenity. Mm-hmm. So the issue that the post office objected to was specifically in a story called Sappho Remembered, the story of a lesbian's affection for a 20-year-old girl who gave up her boyfriend to live with her. So they called it obscene because it was, quote unquote, lustfully stimulating to the average homosexual reader. Um, they had issues with other stories, other poems, just things that contained filthy words, as they called it. Um, an advertisement for The Circle, which was a magazine containing homosexual pulp romance stories. Basically, they just went into it. <laughs> yeah. And the Supreme Court actually reversed the lower court decision in this and said, hey, we're actually pro-gay rights. <laughs> Not entirely, but uh, they said that, yes, yeah, sometimes they said that the magazine was all right and that it did not contain obscene material. And it's kind of one of the first times that we see the court really 
making a decision in favor of the LGBTQ plus community, especially as it pertains to speech. I mean, I'm not as rosy and optimistic as all that. I feel like they did it because if they laid down that kind of a precedent that said, hey, we can limit freedom of expression to the point where we police what magazines are allowed to publish, that's freedom of press as well. Like, there's just so much there. And who draws the line? But I, I think it's an important case. and I'm so glad it happened that way. I think also it's interesting because it's not an issue that we've left in 1957, oh. right? Like, it's something that we keep coming back to. I mean, the book bans that we're seeing in Texas, for mm-hmm. example. Like, um, last night at the Telegraph Club, for example, which is a book about a sapphic romance that has been banned from many, like, libraries for kids not to be able to read. And I think it's really important to understand the intersection between, you know, I think being represented is really, really important for people who yeah. are part of marginalized communities, especially, you know, youth who are part of the LGBTQ plus community. And I, I wonder how the court will step in, you know, as this is something that we are seeing is that they're kind of lawyers who want to make sure that we keep those books on the shelves. They're kind of appealing to the Board of Education rather than, mm-hmm. you know, the court, because I would I think the current composition would not lend itself to making a decision probably in favor of keeping those books on the shelf. Um, I think they would, you know, leave it up to the states to decide or school districts to decide. But I still think it's important to think about the way in which we are still limiting that speech that is centered around the LGBTQ plus community. Absolutely. And I think they are working around our current Supreme Court composition in order to achieve that end, Mm -hmm. which is very interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was one ink via Olson. And the next one we wanted to sort of delve into is Loving Me, Virginia, which was decided in 1967. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love this case. I think <laughs> it is the, a wonderful case. Um, do you want to get into it? Yeah. So it was, it is, it, it <laughs> is, it was, um, about Mildred Judder and Richard Loving. Mm-hmm. So they are an inter, they they were an interracial couple. They are. An they, inter- were, they were. They were. In, were. <laughs> they were an interracial couple, and um, they wanted to get married. They wanted to get married in the state of Virginia, which was against Virginia laws. And they actually got from a judge. Someone so took them, and they got like a year long sentence if they wanted to get married. Yeah. Or if they left for twenty five years, then the judge said that they would like revoke the sentence. Mm-hmm. And so Jeter and Loving sued, and or not sued, they appealed up to the court. Yeah. Yeah. And the court eventually said that interracial marriage, they legalized interracial marriage in mm-hmm. all 50 states. There were so many laws in a bunch of states that forbade interracial relationships and marriages, mm-hmm. and it sort of nullified all of those. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it nullified them on the basis of, you know, the fact that the well, equal protection, right? Because you're discriminating. If you're discriminating against interracial marriages, you're discriminating against one particular group. And it's important to note that this is like post-Civil Rights Act of 64 um, and, you know, post the decision in Brown. So that was one reason was equal protection clause. Another reason was due process clause and the idea that the court shouldn't, this is a liberty, right? Marriage is like sort of a liberty, and I think loving is something that people bring up again and again 
mm-hmm. in conversations around same-sex marriage rights. Yes. Because, I mean, the court in Loving said that a distinction like race is not enough to create marital restrictions. And mm-hmm. thus, I think the word is like miscegenation or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anti-miscegenation laws are were deemed unconstitutional. Yeah. And the debate that was had in 2015, and some people are still having now, is is sex more of a distinct distinguisher or whatever than race? And is that enough to draw those restrictions? And that's something that, again, the court has, like you mentioned, revisited, and that'll be one of the cases that we'll talk about, but kind of where the court believes same-sex, or not same-sex, where the court believes that homosexuality lies in terms of tiers of scrutiny. Absolutely. And how much, you know, same-sex couples can, could be discriminated against. Mm -hmm. Our next case is um, Baker v. Nelson, which was decided in 1971. Mm -hmm. So this is sort of the precedent that opponents of same-sex marriage use, I think, to this day. It's brought up in these conversations all the time. Yeah. And basically, Richard Baker and James McConnell applied for a marriage license in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And the license was not issued by the clerk on the basis of both applicants being of the same sex. Mm-hmm. And the judge agreed with the clerk on this. And then the couple appealed to the state Supreme Court, who, and they affirmed the exact same decisions. And they basically said quote unquote, there is a clear distinction between a marital restriction based merely upon race and one based upon the fundamental difference of sex. Um, so yeah, I in this case, they do decide that um, gender or sex is far more relevant than race in terms of drawing those marital restrictions. Is Bowers v. Hardwick, which was decided in 1986, and basically Hardwick was caught by a Georgia police officer having sex with another adult in his home. Um, an adult of the same same gender, and the Court of Appeals said that the statute prohibiting same-sex sex was unconstitutional, or actually the statute prevented sodomy, which is basically like... Oral or anal copulation. Yeah, and the Supreme Court said, actually, no, that is constitutional. It is okay. Like, you don't have a liberty to... to- yeah, well, I uh, just left it up to the states, right? Um, and Bowers v. Hardwick, I think, leads up really nicely to Lawrence v. Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, so a Houston, a Houston police officer entered John Lawrence's apartment and saw him and another adult man, Tyron Garner, engaging in a private consensual, consensual sexual consensual. act. I'm sorry. Consensual sexual act. So Lawrence and Garner were both arrested and convicted of deviant sexual intercourse in violation of a Texas statute that basically forbade two persons of the same sex to engage in certain intimate sexual conduct. So it was it was a sodomy law, but it was specific to same-sex interactions. And in Lawrence v. Texas, the Supreme Court overturned Bowers v. Hardwick. So the Supreme Court overturned Bowers v. Hardwick, and the reason for doing so, as Justice Kennedy wrote in the opinion, was that the right to liberty under the Due Process Clause gives them, them being the same-sex couple, the full right right to engage in their conduct without intervention of the government. And they also said the Texas statute furthers no legitimate state interest, which can justify its intrusion into the personal and private life of the individual. So Lawrence is a really important precedent when it comes to right to privacy and the idea that, you know, the... In the comfort of my own home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's outrageous. It's genuinely... It makes no sense to me. 
Like, why would anyone have the ability to say what you can and can not do in your own Especially, home? it's consensual. You're not hurting each other. You're not hurting yourself. But you're not hurting, like, anyone at all. And no you're in your home. It's, like, it genuinely enrages me. I don't understand. Especially because the whole issue with this case is that it is specific to same-sex couples. Like, oral sex is okay if a man and a woman do it, but not if a man and a man do it. Like, get over yourself. It's yeah. Interesting. I mean, it's obviously the thing about some of these... Um, cases is that the prior statutes are just blatantly ideal like ideological because there's no justification for that kind of a specific like only same-sex couples cannot do this which was what that statute was I've read it and to me that's just it's just blatantly partisan ideological and that's not what legislation should be at all that's all we have for you I think but I feel like it was it was worthwhile to get into these cases that led up to such a historical landmark case that is Roberta Fowl. And the second part of this series will be focused on Roberta Fowl itself. And well, thank you for listening. I think that's all we have for you. I hope we can celebrate love this coming, I think it's what, Monday, Tuesday? Tomorrow. 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 Yes, it'll be tomorrow. Um, All of its forms. Yes. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Have a great Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. And we will see you guys soon. I guess we will listen you guys will listen to us soon again (laughs) which is narcissistic but anyways yeah Yeah. bye guys thank you for tuning in